0: What's up guys? This is Mike. This is Dave and you're listening to the Mike and Dave podcast. What is up everybody? Welcome back to the Mike and Dave podcast. Episode 57 today. This is Dave and I've got to say I'm excited because we're going to be breaking down the NBA draft. As we put out on social media, uh this podcast is a week later than what we normally would have and that's just because Of course, the people at the NBA had to schedule the draft to be Thursday night, the night before we go live. Uh, So yeah, we ended up just postponing it a week so we could let the dust settle, gather our thoughts, and then share them with you. But before we get into that segment, we've got to get into off the top. Mike, what do you have for me this time?
1: So this is definitely a different kind of off the top. If you remember way back when, this is like, probably 30 episodes or so ago, we did a, uh, we did more of a game when we did that dichotomous key, like choose your NBA adventure type. So this is more like Mm -hmm. that than some of our recent off the tops on our last episode. You had mentioned deal or no deal. And you were like potential subject or potential segment. Mm -hmm. And yes, it is now a segment today, but not the way yeah. you're expecting. Because I know what you were talking about. Oh, here's a trade. Would you do it? And I thought of the TV show hosted by Howie Mandel. So today we're doing NBA, deal or no deal with me, Mike ha- Howie Mandel. So cue the registered trademark copyright. We don't own the rights to this music, whatever the hell. Okay. So we've got 26 briefcases and each of those briefcases links up with an NBA player that I've selected completely randomized. And those uh, 26 briefcases on the show uh, correlate to different money amounts or monetary amounts. So you have from one cent incrementally up to a million dollars. So, Um, we'll go from a really bad player to a really, really good player. Now, the first thing you'll do is you'll pick one of these 26 briefcases, and that's yours. And then we'll go through rounds where you open a certain number of briefcases and reveal what are in those that you don't have. And based on those, I'll make you a trade offer uh, for your briefcase. And then you can decide, yeah, I'll make that trade, or no, I'll eliminate some more and see... like if the offer gets better or worse or whatever.
0: Okay. Let's see how this goes.
1: Okay. so I think I'm following. Okay. So we've got briefcases one through 26. So just pick one number and that'll be your briefcase.
0: Okay. Let's go with number six.
1: Number six. Okay. So now what you'll do is you'll pick The first round does five, so you'll pick five numbers one at a time, and those briefcases get opened, and I'll tell you what player those are and where they rank, one through 26. Now, just for my convenience, 26 is actually, like, the best player, and one would be the lowest, just because I mapped it out, like, one is one cent type of thing. Okay. And so, theoretically, you want the numbers closest to one because you want to eliminate the worst players. So,
0: But it's randomized, but, but so it just is because randomly. I picked number six doesn't mean it's the sixth best player Correct. or worst player. Okay. Um. So, I have to pick five briefcases. Is that it?
1: Yep. So, if you'll go one at a time, okay. I'll tell you who's in all of those.
0: Okay. I'll go number 13.
1: Okay. Number 13 had Denny Ofdia. Who I okay. have at number eight. So that's good. Uh, Pretty... That's in the bottom half.
0: Okay. Now I'll go number five.
1: <laughs> number five had Kevin Herter. Who I had at number 11.
0: Red Velvet himself. <laughs> okay, three more. Um, I'll go number 23. I swear this is LeBron or something, and it's it's Gregged.
1: Number twenty <laughs> uh number twenty-three is Luca. Oh dang it. Okay. Who I had at number twenty five out of twenty-six.
0: Okay. Then I'll go number eleven.
1: Number eleven was Steph Curry, who was number twenty
0: four. Give me a break. All right. Uh, Then number one.
1: Number one was McCall Bridges, who I had at 14. All right. Okay. So, at this point, I'm going to offer you a trade of Clint Capella for your briefcase. Do you want to take the trade, or do you want to keep exploring?
0: Well, according to you, that would only get me Garrett Temple in a second rounder, so... (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna to have to decline that one.
1: <laughs> okay, then, no problem. So now you'll pick three more briefcases, and we'll eliminate those players.
0: Okay, just to make it easy, I'm gonna say two, three, and four.
1: Okay, number. And if if at any point you need to need me to remind you what's there or what players, you know, whatever, I can. So all right, briefcase number two had Javeo McGee. Yeah. Who I had at number six. Then number three had Anthony Davis, who I had at sixteen.
0: Okay, so you had ten players who were better than Anthony Davis? Okay.
1: Yep. Uh and then you said number four. Okay. Number four was Dario Saric.
0: Okay, thank God.
1: Who I had at number seven.
0: Wait, who did you have at number six? Javale McGee. Hmm. Okay.
1: Okay. So, give me one second. Okay. So now I will offer you. Pascal Siakam for your briefcase.
0: Huh. Hmm. I mean, I, I
1: feel like at
0: this point... So how many more rounds are there? So
1: if you said no every time, we would get to the point where there are two brief... Or where there are three briefcases left. You would eliminate one then I'd make you an offer between the two, so right. it, it just okay. goes incrementally until we get there.
0: Wait, so are are the players that you're offering me in the pool of players that are in the briefcases, or are they just other players? Some are
1: and some aren't.
0: Okay, then I'm gonna I'm gonna say no, and we'll go at least one more time.
1: Okay, so three more briefcases.
0: Okay. I'm pretty sure I haven't said number 20 yet.
1: You have not? So 20. Was Rui Hachimura, who I had at number 9? Okay. Okay.
0: I'll take that one. Yeah. And then number 18...
1: At 18, we had Nerlins Noel, who I had at four. Perfect. Yeah, really? That's, and your, then, that's your best pull yet.
0: Yeah. And then I'm going to go 25.
1: 25 had De'Aaron Fox, who I had at 17. Okay. Not terrible. I'm going to make you an offer of Marcus Smart for this briefcase.
0: So I guess my odds have gotten worse. Um, if you just offered me Siakam. yeah, And then now I'm getting Marcus Smart. Although
1: Marcus Smart is the defensive player of the year. Nah, eh,
0: no. Definitely not. I don't want Marcus Smart. The okay. Grizzlies can have him.
1: <laughs> okay, then three more briefcases to come up.
0: Okay. Uh number 14. This is a, no. a struggle in and of itself to remember which numbers are still left. That I haven't said.
1: Yeah. If you if you repeat one, I'll just tell you. Alright. So number 14 was on tetacumpo. Crap. But it was Thanosis on Tetacumpo. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Don't do me like that, man. I um I'm not gonna lie. I chose him as one of the players just so I could do that.
0: <laughs> that was that was good. So you got me. So
1: I had him, and this will give you some uh, a relative idea as well. I had him at number three.
0: Oh gosh. Okay, dude. If 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 I if I picked the worst player, I'm gonna be pissed. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Um.
1: I haven't even looked at you. Oh, okay.
0: Okay And then I'll go 19.
1: At 19, we had Carl Anthony Towns. Okay. Who I had at 15. All right. And then one more.
0: Number 10, still available?
1: It is. Take that out. At 10, we had Bam Adebayo, who I had at 18. Okay. So, interestingly, you have six remaining in each half.
0: In the bottom half and the good half?
1: Yes. Okay. So, I'm going to offer you James Harden.
0: <sighs> I mean, like, James Harden right now.
1: So okay. for what this is worth, when it when it came to some of the the better players, I used our um, just to promote ourselves a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I used our top twenty five ranking for a lot of these, so okay. I only changed the order of one or two players, but largely this is based on where you and I rank them together.
0: Okay, that's good to know. Um, hmm, James Harden. How many numbers do I have? How many briefcases are left?
1: Including yours, there are 12 briefcases left.
0: Okay. Then I'm going to say no to James Harden again.
1: Okay. Then three more need to come off the board.
0: Okay. Number 15.
1: Okay. At number 15, we had Jason Tatum, who I had ranked 23rd. All right. I'll go 12. 12 was Juan Toscano Anderson? <laughs> yes. Come on. Who I had at number five.
0: Okay. Also, if you're playing along at home, let us know if you would have already accepted the deal <laughs> or if you were like me and just getting greedy at this point. <laughs> um, okay, so I have one more, right? Correct. Okay, you said 24 was one of them? Yep. All right, I'll do that one.
1: At 24, we had Josh Uh, Giddy. I had at 12. Okay. So before I make you the offer, I'm going to run down where you stand real quick. So players 1 and 2 are still available. So the worst two players are still available. Yep. 10 and 13. So you have four left. Um, in the lower half. Then you have five left in the better half. 19, 20, 21, and 22, as well as 26. So the best player and yep. worst player is still out here.
0: Uh, of, of course, right?
1: Uh, okay. So What you got? I'll now offer you J1 Brown.
0: Okay, that's, it's a bit tastier, but at the same time, I'm like, I could have the best player, I could also have the worst player, Um, my thing is like, do I go one more and try to get like a top 10 player, I feel like, or do I, like, let's just say the next three and then they're all like the top three guys. Then all of a sudden I'm like, nope, I could definitely have like the worst player or second worst player. Um, I'm going to take
1: Jalen Brown. Okay. So congratulations. You're walking away with this deal of Jalen Brown. It's at this point that we open up your briefcase to figure out what was in it. And your briefcase had Clay Thompson in it, who I had ranked at 13 out of 26. And you're walking away with Jalen Brown, who we had at 20. So, You win in that way. Yeah.
0: All right. I mean, it's not Jokic, but Jalen Brown was also the highest player on the list that you had offered me up to this point. So, you know, I will definitely take that.
1: And you didn't get stuck with our worst player of Leandro Balmero. So.
0: Yep. That's also, I would have been livid at myself (laughs) if I had somehow managed to pull that one off. Um, But awesome. Well, that was a lot of fun. Thank you for coming up with that. That was a cool idea. Um, And for all of you listening at home, let us know on social media at Mike and Dave Pod, which deal would you have taken? Would you have gone for Jalen Brown or would you have kept going because Jokic was still on the table? Let us know. But that should be it for Off the Top. And when we come back, we're going to get into our NBA draft superlatives.
1: And we're back. In our last segment, we heard Dave accept a deal for Jalen Brown. Funnily enough, on our last episode, we toyed with the idea of Portland trading their pick for Jalen Brown. That didn't end up happening. Instead, they drafted someone. In fact, so did plenty of other teams. And we're here to talk about those picks with our, you know, I guess, annual post-draft superlatives. And the first one we're going to do is our biggest riser. So Dave, who'd you have as the biggest riser in this year's NBA draft?
0: Alright, so there were a few guys that went higher than people were initially projecting. Um, and this guy in particular, I think, especially from where he started the season to where he ended up, just made the most sense as the biggest riser. And that's Bilal Koulibaly, uh, the Frenchman, who was Victor I mean, most famously known as Victor Wimbenyama's teammate on Mets ninety two, which I'm sure he can't wait to make his own mark in the NBA and not have to just be referred to that. Um which of course people would probably still be like, oh yeah, he was Wimbenyama's teammate. Um, which, to be fair, is probably the reason why he ended up getting to where he was, is because of the spotlight that was put on that team because Wimbenyama was there. So Bali really at the beginning of the season, no one was really talking about him. He wasn't really on the radar. Um and because of their, that, that team's relative success and cool um, I, I guess efforts towards that. He ended up making a name for himself and kept shooting higher and higher on draft boards until he ended up going all the way. And this was very surprising to me all the way to number seven, which ended up getting traded to the team that picked number eight, the wizards. But, um, but yeah, cool He's definitely an intriguing prospect. Um, he's only 18 years old, and he's got a lot of upside. Very athletic for his age. Uh, you talk about biggest riser. I mean, if he, he didn't um he didn't participate in the NBA draft combine, but if he had, he potentially might have been the biggest riser there. Uh he's got great hops, um, really good defender, especially for a young guy. And right now that's his calling card, but he's got a shooting stroke as well that he's still working on. He shot 44% um, from three this past season on a very small sample size, only 38 threes. But still, he shot 44%. You can't take that away from him. So, you know, and in terms of going to the Wizards, like, that's a perfect team for him to go to, honestly, because he doesn't have to worry about playing right away even, or or being one of their, their best players right now. And they're not trying to contend, they're stripping everything down. So this is definitely a pick for the future, but I think made a lot of sense for the Wizards and for Koulibaly because he has that really high upside.
1: Yeah, I also had Koulibaly as one of my biggest risers. I mean, this is a guy that we had at 12 in our mock. And I, I remember when we were talking about that, we thought... Made us a little high, but, you know, um, Thunder seemed like a good team to go ahead and grab him. Instead, he shoots up five spots past that. Yeah. um, And like you said, this is just a name that we were not hearing a lot of like five, six months ago. All of a sudden, seventh pick in the draft. Pretty, I mean, quote unquote, all of a sudden. But Mm -hmm. yeah, so in the interest of picking someone else for this one, um, I'll go to my... Second biggest riser, and that was Brandon Pochensky. Pochemsky. Uh, we'll learn how to pronounce his name uh, out of Santa Clara, going 19th to the Warriors. Um, this is a guy that we did not have going in the first round of our mock, and interesting fit uh, with the Warriors, especially now that they have Chris Paul as well. Um, so, and you mentioned with Koulibaly not needing to play right away um insert a guard into Golden State's ro- um onto Golden State's roster that still has Steph Curry that still ha- or that now has Chris Paul and he's not going to be asked to do a lot from the jump but rather he gets to develop behind those guys um had the uh the rev- the transfer down from Illinois to Santa Clara and then exploded uh almost 20 points a game 8 8.8 8 rebounds per game is what's getting me now given his like given the fact that he's not the most athletic six, five guy that we've ever seen. I don't know how transferable that kind of number is going to be. I don't expect him to be the next Josh Hart, like snagging all these rebounds as a guard, but a solid shooting stroke as well. A decent feel for the game. Um, He may have his limitations, but yeah, 19 was kind of surprising to me.
0: Yeah, I agree on that one. Um, Santa Clara, all of a sudden, was Jalen Williams last year, and now um, Podziems- Podziemski, whatever um, this year. So it's Jalen Williams was one of the best rookies in the NBA last year. So you know I, I'm sure that the Warriors are hoping to get a similar type of of player in, in this draft. So yeah, a couple other guys. Honestly, Brandon Miller was kind of a big riser too. The fact that he got all the way. To, to number two overall was kind of crazy. I mean, for so long people were talking about Wimbenyama and Scoot Henderson as the obvious one, two and Miller, even with all of the the off court issues, he still managed to rise all the way to number two and be picked ahead of Scoot Henderson, which we didn't necessarily believe was, was the right choice, but I can understand why the Hornets made that decision. So I definitely had Miller as one of the, the guys to like, Man, that actually was a pretty big rise from where he started to where he ended up. Okay, so if we have a biggest riser, that means we are also going to have a biggest faller. Mike, who did you have as your biggest faller of this draft?
1: So I picked three that I wanted to talk about in the same breath, and that's Adam Sinogo out of Yukon, Oscar Shibwe out of Kentucky, and Drew Timmy out of Gonzaga. Now you might be thinking, Mike, didn't even get drafted. I know that's the point. Like, we um, we bitched about this uh, kind of thing like two years ago. Which, by the way, that's how long we've been doing the podcast. Kind of crazy. Um, we went on a rant about Luca Garza being drafted in like fifty five or whatever it was. I think it was fifty five. Um, and it was like, oh, you just dominate college as a big and you have all these transferable skills, I mean, not that you're the... Like, I understand that the college game is different from the pro game, right? But certain abilities, like you still are a good basketball player. You can still get rebounds. Like, look at Oscar Shibway, one of the best rebounders in in college basketball over the last, like, two or three years. Um, Drew Timmy um, has the ability to, like, move the ball out of the post as well as score inside of it. Like, these are good... Post players. I know the game has changed, but like you're telling me even in the forties and fifties, guys, like no one wants to draft these guys. If I had seen that the Hawks had drafted like Oscar Shibway instead of Seth Lundy in the second round, I'd be way more excited. I'd be like, Okay, cool. Like I know what he did in college and it was extremely good. Uh okay, so what? Maybe he doesn't work out? Like that's gonna be that big of a difference from all of our second rounds that have been so productive. Like We we literally had Skylar Mays play garbage minutes his entire tenure in Atlanta. Then we drafted Tyrese Martin to do the same thing. Like, who cares? Like get one of these proven guys and worst case scenario, he's just another guy that didn't work out. But no respect for college success.
0: For sure. It's it is crazy that in the second round, and I understand it to a degree that you want to get developmental guys, you know, guys who could potentially turn into something there but when it comes to guys with an elite skill like you you mentioned Shibwe, like his rebounding, that is an elite skill that will be transferable immediately to the NBA game. He'll be able to come in and do that and, you know, protect the rim to a certain degree too. It is kind of crazy that they they didn't get picked at all. Um and I know that there are only sixty picks or whatever, but surely these guys deserved it. You know, Drew Timmy was one of one of the best players on one of the best teams in college basketball over the past two three seasons. So, again, like you said, it's there's a lot of disrespect there for uh, for some of the the better college basketball players that that we've seen over the past few seasons. Now, my biggest faller is probably the again the the one that kind of jumps off the page just like I, I did with the biggest riser with Gula and that's Cam Whitmore. You know, we had him going to the Pistons at number five in our mock draft. And, you know, that was a little high for sure. Uh, But there was top five buzz around him all the way up until, you know, very recently. And I don't think anybody could have projected him to fall all the way to number 20. Um, That is a significant drop, especially with how many guys, like how many wings, how many shooters went before him. And I understand the concerns to a certain degree. You know, he's he's not really a playmaker. He's not a great defender. He's he's one of those guys who he's going to go up and try to get his shot. And that's, you know, when it's falling, it's, it's fine. But when it's not falling, he's not really giving you a whole lot else to work with. Um, I mean, he is an athletic guy too. So it, he can really score at all three levels. It was just very surprising to see that he fell all the way to the Rockets. And the Rockets are still probably at this point looking at best player available and Cam Whitmore was the best player available at number 20 and they ended up taking him. I think that's a smart decision. Um There are question marks there in terms of, um, you know, off the court stuff and like apparently interviews weren't great and, and things like that. But you know, it, it is a high upside player and I'm, I am kind of surprised that he fell all the way to 20. I mean, I thought maybe the back half of the lottery um, like, you know, 10 to 14 or whatever, but all the way to 20 was a a big surprise.
1: Yeah. And if you're the Rockets, you know, like you said, best available, the Rockets are just in that like collection of assets mode. So I'm sure they're like super excited to see a guy with that much buzz around him, like fall in their laps, you know, but yeah, I have no problem with us being wrong about where we picked him. It was just like, you know, especially around like seven or eight. I remember we were on the phone. We're just like, okay, well, you know, here he goes. It's going to be him now. It's going to be him. And and he looked pissed. Oh, he he definitely did. Like I was like, oh, the chip on the shoulder thing. It's coming, you know, so we'll see what that pistosity turns into if he uh, uses it as fuel or whatever, but. But yeah, that was, um, yeah, that was, yeah, back up. Yeah, I guess like that's the big like first round faller. And then mine is more like they fell out of the draft. So for our next superlative, we'll go ahead and go into the most likely to succeed. So Dave, what player do you think is the most likely to succeed out of this draft?
0: Well, I feel like I've been pretty... Like, my, my superlatives that I've been giving out have been pretty no-brainer picks up to this point. So I see no reason to go away from that. And I've got to say Victor Wimbanyama, right? Like, it is that simple. He is the most likely to succeed because he is the best prospect we've seen in quite a few years. Um, and he landed in a great landing spot in San Antonio, so to me, it just – it's a very easy question to answer of it's got to be Wemby. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and rattle on about the fact that he's a generational type prospect and all the things that he can do well on the basketball court. But, you know, I will say one thing. I listened to some of uh, his interview with J.J. Redick on his podcast. And I was very – um I was very impressed by his maturity and his mindset coming in. And I think that's the kind of thing that you really need is being able to stay grounded, work hard, be humble, and you know have your aspirations of, of being on a winning team. And those things will, will take you far, especially if you're a guy who has the natural ability that he has. So definitely looking forward to seeing what he does in the NBA and his rookie season and many seasons to come after that. But for me, it's, it's a very easy answer. It's, it's gotta be Wimby.
1: Let's just say there's a reason there's so much buzz around him, right? Like this dude is generational prospect level. Right. So yeah, that, that definitely makes sense for me. Um, for my most likely to succeed, so honorable mention, but um, so, well, hang on first. I'm just gonna say, my answer is the next most obvious. I think, and that's Scoot Henderson. Mm-hmm. But sure. before I expand on him, I'm just gonna give a quick shout out to who I'm gonna, who I was gonna say if you had gone with Scoot, and that's Asar Thompson. And the reason for that is, I feel like he has a very clear role immediately in Detroit. But that role is not be the best player on our team, be the focal point of the offense. The role is get in there and play defense, which we know good and damn well he can space the floor. We know he can be athletic. We know he has that elite athleticism, like for the role that he'll be asked to play for the foreseeable future, barring some like crazy takeoff in skill, which is only an additive thing. Like, He's gonna have a defined role and he's gonna do it well. It's one of those like high floor type of situations. I don't think he'll be better than Wemby, but sure, it's it's harder I think for him to fail to meet expectations. So I wanted to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's Scoot Henderson. Um, we of course thought he was gonna go to Charlotte. Portland may be a better place for him anyway. Like if you look at what. The situation is now in Portland. It seems like they have one of two options. They either trade Dame and hand the keys over to Scoot right away, who we've said before has, like, number one pick type of talent, or you keep Dame and Scoot gets to learn from one of the best point guards of this generation. Like, it's kind of a win-win. Now, if we're looking at, like, most likely to succeed as in, like, winning championships – Dame has shown us that is tough in Portland, but individual success, Dame has achieved it in Portland. So I think the blueprint is there. Scoot has all the talent in the world. Um, Like he's, he draws Russell Westbrook comparisons pretty frequently. And like, in terms of individual success, there aren't many players with more of it than him rings aside. So So Scoot Henderson and Asar Thompson are going to be the ones that I want to shout out for the most likely to succeed.
0: Yeah, and surprise, surprise, Scoot would have been, if you would have gone first and said Wembenyama, I would have said Scoot. Um, I think these two guys were kind of in the league of their own in terms of potential and how we thought about them as prospects. So you got to kind of pick those guys. Um, I do like Scoot in Portland better than I would have liked him in Charlotte anyway. I think we just had to put him second because of what we thought about his talent. So um, yeah, so those are our most likely to succeed nominees and winners. Um, And now we're going to move into the alternative side (laughs) uh, where we got to put our hater caps on. Least likely to succeed. Mike, who do you have... (laughs) Uh, as winning this category, I guess winning
1: is a technical term. So Drew Timmy says, I'm, "I'm kidding. That would be a great, like, easy answer, right?" Drew Timmy, he's not in the league. Um. So shout out. Does it even count as a shout out if I'm mentioning them in this category? I don't know what the alternative term for that would be. Yeah. Whisper. I hope out. you're not listening to this. <laughs> um. Imani Bates, like uh, Mr. Ruin Your Reputation as a recruit coming out of high school uh, and then get drafted middle or mid-second round to Cleveland, um, having shown a litany of character concerns as well as on-court regression. Like, I have no trouble believing that he won't succeed, but I'm also going to pick a first-rounder because that's more fun, although barely. Um, Nick Smith Jr. Um, This is less about him and more about the situation you are a guard being drafted to charlotte uh at the end of the first round i don't know like unlike Asar thompson i don't know what like nick Roll, like how sorry i don't know how nick smith jr fits into charlotte like they already have guards some of which are proven some of which are developing and some are both you know um like there's no way he starts come uh right away um and it's hard for him to like carve out that niche even off the bench where they already have like terry is going to be getting quality like reserve minutes right uh james book knight's going to be there as well they're still working on him they want him to get his uh his time out there um you're going to be focusing on lamello ball brandon Miller um, where you're going from the Michael Jordan of bad ownership in Michael Jordan to whoever he sells it to. Like, it's a it's a franchise that has never known what it's been doing, and you're a guard going to a full guard room on that horrible team. Like, I'm sorry, that's that just doesn't breed success. And Nick Smith, like, again, I'm not trying to shade him as a player, but he's also not the type of player that I'm looking at like, Oh, but he's so explosive. He's so amazing that he'll, you know, overcome all of that that I just mentioned. It's just a rough situation.
0: Yeah. I considered him for biggest faller too. Cause we thought that he could have potentially gone in the lottery. Um, and those like teen picks or so, but yeah, he ended up falling all the way. It's kind of a tough situation for him as you just described. Um, I am going to go with a second round pick here because I was looking at a lot of the first round guys and I was like, you know, I actually really like these fits to be fair. We, so we are going to do a best draft and worst draft for like as a team award later on to end the, the segment. But when I was going through, I was like, man, I feel like pretty much teams did a good job of picking players, uh, which you don't always see. But I thought that th- that, that, Overall, a lot of the picks made sense. Um, this one is kind of harkening back to something that you mentioned earlier, because I'm picking Seth Lundy, uh, the Hawks' second round pick. And Mike did a great job of already describing why he's the least likely to succeed. If the Hawks draft you in the second round, typically speaking, you're only going to play garbage minutes because you're, just going to kind of be garbage. Like that's just the nature of it. Seth Lundy is a fine three point shooter, like not shading him for that. But in terms of the amount of guards and wings that the Hawks already have, I mean, there's not really going to be a role for him to play at all unless the Hawks continue to strip down their roster and try to rebuild. But even then I just don't see, like I see Seth Lundy playing a lot in the G league, uh, to be honest. And I'm not talking about G League success when we're talking about most likely or least likely to succeed. I'm talking about NBA success. I just don't see Seth Lundy getting that with the Hawks. Um, To be fair to Scott R. Mays, he actually had a decent like end to the season with the trailblazers last year. So maybe there's something there. Um. (laughs) But, but yeah, Seth Lundy, I just think it's just not happening for you, bro. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, it's tough. Like, and what are we just gonna jump Tyrese Martin in the rotation? And then you can take his like two minutes every seventh game. Yeah, like whatever. Yeah, I feel like that is a that is the safest, least likely to succeed. <laughs> Um let's go to uh you know, I kinda wanna stay negative here. Um it seems like a fairly seamless transition. Um Worst fit, so I picked Gigi Jackson for this. Um, first of all, I'm looking at like we we know all the John Morant drama and how much everyone around the league hates Memphis, and then mm-hmm. you couple that with Gigi Jackson not being a likable guy, um, already having some character concerns already throwing coaches and teammates under the bus during his stint at south carolina so it's like okay character concerns going to like one of like the three teams you don't want to go to yeah gg jackson and memphis fire and gasoline type of fit there and then just on the court i don't see his role either like a power forward that can like kind of score kind of stretch the floor a little bit going behind jaron jackson jr they have jake laravia they have david roddy i don't know if they want to bring kenneth lofton jr back like they have plenty of guys to play the four they sure as shit don't need another one um much less one that they can't really turn their back on and like count on to keep cool like how many how uh, many seasons are we going to give before he has a total meltdown about not getting enough playing time, not getting enough not getting enough touches? Like, I I hate this fit, <laughs> like, and at forty five, I guess they're like, eh, he was good in college. I guess we can take him here, but it's like, it's kind of like a uh, you're just risking like a media nightmare about it too. Like, it it's not just like oh this can just be a player that doesn't work out. It could be like a player that's. Like toxic,
0: you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not really right now you, you and I think the I think Memphis in general, they just they want to be the villains. You know, they they want to not be liked by the rest of the league. And so maybe they're just like, you know, we're just gonna keep leaning into that and get assholes in here. Um, you know, you you might think maybe we should get some like high character guys, you know, some some guys who maybe found some success in college and good locker room presence and whatever. No. Um, let's just go ahead and, uh, character concerns check. Okay. Perfect. Let's yeah. go for him. It's so um, funny.
1: Given that, like, given what you just said, it's so funny that they have Stephen Adams though. He was like one of the most, likely. right. It's like, how's this like jolly giant? Just like also on the team with all these jerks.
0: Maybe they were just like, ah, he'll, he'll weigh down the scales. Uh, and that's not a, it's not a fat joke, like... Steven. Uh, but, um, but yeah, maybe they're just like, ah, oh, he'll just cover that. And then everybody else will be awful. Um, anyways, so worst fit. So I'm going to say this name and then I, I want a chance to explain myself. It's Taylor Hendricks on the Utah jazz. Now, when he was drafted, this would have been in contention for best fit because at that point, the jazz could have used a power forward who can stretch the floor, protect the rim plus athlete. Well, they just traded for John Collins and his big contract to basically fulfill the role that Taylor Hendricks would have provided they didn't even give Taylor Hendricks like a week basically <laughs> to be like, yep, maybe I can fulfill that, that starting power forward role. Nope. Sorry. We're trading a guy who you're going to aspire to be like, um, and you're just going to play behind him for your, you know, for the foreseeable future. Like that is brutal for Taylor Hendricks. And I've just got to say it was already going to be a stretch. I, I know Lori Markkinen can play small forward, but like, defensively speaking, he's not really the kind of guy that you want to be guarding other teams, small forwards. They're going to have to try to mix and match there. Um, but it was already going to be a little weird, a little supersized, um, you know, with marketing Hendricks and Kessler or whatever you had John Collins into the mix. And all of a sudden, like, I don't know. I, I imagine that Hendricks is still going to get a decent amount of playing time to start, but, it's not nearly going to be what it was, and maybe it's not the the worst thing in the world for him at first. But it's just crazy that like Hendrick one of Hendrix's comps was literally John Collins, but like maybe a little bit more defensive minded instead of offensive minded. And yet, and then they end up trading for John Collins after drafting Hendrix. So I don't think it's necessarily a bad uh, a bad pick by the Jazz at all. Like I thought Hendrix was a a really solid player. I was hoping beyond hope that the Hawks would get him ironically because he could have filled John Collins' shoes. Um, But why couldn't they have just given us Taylor Hendricks in return for John Collins, right? Um, (laughs) Instead of the meager Rudy Gay and a second future second rounder that we ended up getting. Um, So yeah, so Taylor Hendricks, sorry, man, you're probably not going to start in your rookie season and maybe not for another couple seasons after that, depending on what happens. But Yeah. While we're on the topic, that John Collins trade, though, obviously we're Hawks fans here on the Mike and Dave podcast. Mike, I know you had some pretty strong thoughts about this trade. Care to share?
1: Bruh. So, first of all, I just have to say, when um, when we traded him to Utah, I, like, had one of those moments where, like, you know, I was so sure they had drafted Taylor Hendricks, but, like, then this didn't make sense. And I was just like, I literally mm-hmm. had to go back and check. I was like, didn't they? Am I am I crazy? Did they draft someone else? No. Oh, sure. Whatever. Um, yeah, I'm pissed. Uh <laughs> so first of all, I get it. You know, it's a salary dump. We don't want to go into the new uh the harsher luxury tax and everything. Um, this is you know freeing us up to make some huge move that we're not going to make. It's going to allow us to extend DeJounte in theory, you know, and we're probably not done making moves. Uh, But here's something that we can't deny. The Hawks got worse as a basketball team. Like there's no way around that. You know, like we wanted a trade, you know, we're not sitting here thinking like, oh yeah, we're going to trade John Collins and we're going to get the number one pick for him. We're going to get the picture one by Yana. No. And we weren't even thinking like, oh yeah, we're going to get Jalen Brown, you know. That sh- that shit was not in our minds, you know. We were thinking like we trade John Collins, we move up in the draft a few picks or something. We shed that contract, we get a a slightly better rookie than we were going to be able to get. That's not what happened. What w- what happened is we gave him away. We got a bag of crumbled up chips that we're going to throw away and we got a second round pick that it's going to be a Hawks second round pick. <laughs> we've already said it twice on this episode. It's going to be shit nothing. Okay. Like we, we called Utah on the phone and they were like, we were like, do y'all want John Collins? And they were like, sure. What do we need to give up? And we laughed on the phone. That's what, that's what happened. Um, The reason well, this is so annoying. This is my lessons. The okay. reason this is so annoying is we've been clamoring for a John Collins trade for like a year and a half. And if we had done it a year and a half ago, we could have actually gotten something for him. And I'm so sick of seeing players be decent or better in Atlanta and then losing them for effectively nothing. We saw it with Horford. We saw it with Millsap. We saw it with Damari Carroll. And now we're seeing it again.
0: Yeah. um, When you said like, when Utah would just take him and we were like, oh yeah, that then great. We don't really need much in return. Like I don't know. Obviously, I don't know exactly what conversations have been had by the Hawks front office with the rest of the league about John Collins. There's no smoke without fire. And we've been getting that John Collins trade rumor for three seasons to basically as soon as the ink dried on that contract. We were we were checking in and seeing who who wanted him. Like in some ways that run to the Eastern Conference Finals that the Hawks had was potentially the worst thing that could have happened because that group of players was not going to get it done long term and that convinced ownership and the front office that they were. And so John Collins gets his big contract. We gave Herder a big contract. We ended up trading him we end up training John Collins. Like, and you said it, you nailed it. If we had done this two years ago, imagine what we would have got for him. Um, and really the, the issue is that John's three-point percentage has dropped significantly the past two seasons, like under 30%. And in um, in Atlanta, playing next to Capella, you have to be able to stretch the floor. And Capella is going to be the guy who's going to be Setting more of the on-ball screens. You're going to to Utah with Walker Kessler. It's not really going to be much different. Like I don't think they're as they're going to be as reliant on on-ball screens as the Hawks are because they don't have a guy a la Trey Young to run run the offense that way. But I mean, he's going to have to figure out that shooting stroke if he wants to regain the form that made him such a, a solid player. That's really been what the issue is. If he was shooting the ball better, I don't think the Hawks are looking to move him. I think the Hawks are saying no like John Collins is a foundational piece and he's he's really important to what we do. it just it's not working out with the group of players we have. And so I understand moving him on it it just kind of sucks that the former front office uh, with Travis Schlink sign all these guys up. And then now we've got Landry Fields, Kyle Corver in here kind of saying, Oh, actually we kind of need to clean up the mess that was made before. It's basically the same thing that we saw with the Falcons. The Falcons did the same thing. They signed Dion Jones and, um, and Jake Matthews and like all these guys to these big contracts after the Super Bowl, And we were never able to get back to it. And it ended up putting us in a salary cap crunch. Like, and now we had to get rid of everybody. And this se- this offseason was the first time we had cap space in forever. Like, we're just seeing the same thing again with the Hawks. And with DeJounte, I really hope that we can use that money to re-sign him. Because if we can't re-sign him, then, I mean, we gave up a lot to get him. So, it, in Atlanta, it's 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 tough right now. Because maybe there's a bigger plan. And maybe we'll be back here in two weeks or a month talking about how the Hawks pulled a master stroke of a trade um, or whatever that looks like to really improve the roster and compete in the Eastern Conference. But for
1: right now, I don't see it. It's just tough when whenever we see a Hawks trade rumor. Like, we want to see these Hawks trade reports, but then whenever we see them, it's always, like, disappointing. You know, if, I mean, case in point, the Luka trade, you know.
0: Dude, why bring that up right now? Like we're already low. Come on, man. The Hawks don't
1: win trades, man. Wow.
0: Okay. Well, yeah. Let's just let's try to wrap this up and then go back to the superlatives because we wanted to go ahead and talk about this trade because it you know it happened this this past week, but
1: yeah, just tough. Well, whatever. We're there is no getting of. A- it's just this is something that happened and fingers crossed that something good happens now. I mean, like, it seems like the next step is do the same thing with Capella and despite my desires, I'm sure, like like we were texting about earlier or yesterday or whenever this was, feel like the Capella trade, should it happen, is gonna be very similar. Like like you had said earlier, it's probably gonna be like Garrett Temple in a second rounder or something, and then we unload Garrett Temple, and that second rounder is never anything that we use. And it's just like,
0: I think Capella has more trade value right now than Collins does. um I think that the three point shooting going down significantly really hurt that value. I think Capella is still looked at as a valuable asset, um, and you know we we could still trade. And his contract isn't unreasonable. Uh, for for a, a player of his caliber. So I think we would get more for, for him, but at this point I don't know what that would be and if it would really move the
1: needle. Yeah, and that's true that's the issue. And that's true about his value. I just also don't have like, you know how we talk about like Danny Ainge being like a mastermind when it comes to making trades? The Hawks yeah. just inspire the opposite uh feeling with within me. <laughs> like, oh, mm-hmm. uh, we'll find a way to make this the worst deal possible. Sure. But- we're not the fleecers. We're the the sheep. We're the sheep. <laughs>
0: yeah. Great. Um, and on that note, let's actually go into something positive now and talk about the best fit of prospect to NBA team in this latest draft. Um, I'm going to go ahead and and kick us off. And I'm going to say it's Derek Lively II to the Mavericks. Now, the Mavericks had, I thought, a very good draft because they were able to trade down from number 10. And this is so this is an example. I don't want to keep harping on about the Hawks, but this is an example of how to do this this kind of trade. They were able to offload Davis Bertons' contract and move down two spots. That is exactly how to finesse and and get a bad contract off the books, not after the draft traded for 37 year old Rudy Gay and a second rounder. Like, come on, man. Um, anyways, so the Mavericks were able to trade down and then still get their guy, Derek Lively, the second. And this is a guy who is filling a big, big need for the Mavericks. And that's at center. Um, we had potentially talked about the Hawks trading Capella to the Mavericks. Uh, Last episode, we were talking about different NBA trades. Trades that would make sense for both teams because they they really need a center right now. And Derek Lively is filling that void. Um, he's a guy who didn't necessarily have the best season in college, but potential is still is still there for him to be a more dynamic offensive player. At the bare minimum, he's going to give you good rebounding solid run protection, lob threat, like he's going to be able to fulfill that role and set Lucas and screens and, you know, be a solid option at center. And that's at the bare minimum, he could end up blossoming and, you know, working on his jumper and, uh, and all of that too. So I think this is a great fit for Derek Lively and, and going to a team that is looking to contend sooner rather than later. Uh, So yeah, I mean, being able to to play with Luca and potentially Kyrie, like that that's a pretty solid fit as a center.
1: Yeah, Derek Lively is one of the two guys I had here. Um I love I love that pick. I mean I don't love that it didn't benefit the Hawks at all. But I do really like the pick for the Mavs. Um fills out exactly what they need. And here's the thing about well sports in general I feel like but especially looking at like today's NBA, right? If you go to a team that already has a superstar or two, you don't also have to be a superstar. If you're, if you have a defined role and you play that role well, then you will find your home. And if you're the Mavericks and you're drafting around 10, 12, and you trade down to 12, like this is where some teams get tempted to try and to find a guy that can be like, you know, Diamond in the rough, like, I mean, that's kind of an exaggeration for 12, but like superstar potential Mavericks stuck with what they needed to fit their team, Grabbed a guy that will probably never be the best player on a team, but can sh- sure as hell like fit a role that they need him to fill right away to support Luca and, you know, theoretically Kyrie. So I love that pick for them. Uh, my best, my best fit is Wemby moving on. Um, uh, and the reason he's my best fit um, is because it's San Antonio. Uh, Wemby would not have been my best fit if Charlotte had won the lottery, if Detroit won the lottery. But he's going to the Spurs. He's going to the best coach to ever coach basketball. He's going to a team with a history of, well, first of all, good European players in, mon- or in good international players. Uh, like Manu Ginobili uh, and fellow Frenchman Tony Parker. Uh, story bigs in David Robinson and Tim Duncan, who still have ties to that franchise. Um, solid ownership and no des- and no uh, pressure to win right away. Like there isn't a better place for Wemby. Um, the Spurs winning this year's lottery is one of the best things that could have happened to the NBA this year, because the last thing we needed was to see this prospect squandered in Houston, or Charlotte. Like, come on.
0: Dang. Um, I mean, I don't disagree, but, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it it really, it almost worked out too well. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, <laughs> the script? You know, the script is always real, man. Um, yeah. Wimby was my other guy. I mean, I already said him before for most likely to succeed, but He is, and is a great fit. It's, They kind of go hand in hand too, though. Like, it makes sense. If it's a great fit, then they're going to be likely to succeed and vice versa. So our last two superlatives are team superlatives. And I think we're going to start with the negative first. So we have worst draft and then best draft. So Mike, who did you have as having the worst draft as a team
1: this year? So I thought of two teams. Number one, well, I guess number two to me would be the magic i you know coming from a michigan fan i hated the, the jet howard pick i i am pretty low on him i understand that you know the buzz around him is as a shooter with you know elite shooting potential yeah i don't see that working out quite that well um but i do see him being well, good i was just gonna say
0: there's another Michigan wing who went to the magic who you weren't super high on and ended up actually turning out well. So maybe this is actually a good (laughs) thing for Jet Howard. Uh, That's true. Talking about Franz Wagner, of course, but you know, maybe, maybe he ends up surprising. There is a precedent
1: here. Yeah. So like they get him at 11 and they add him, to Franz Wagner and Paulo Bancaro. And unless they're gonna do something really, really funky with that lineup, I mean it is Orlando, you know, all bets are off. I don't like I do not see him playing with those two. And those two are like the top two like core players on their team at this point, pretty much. So like I don't know what his role is and I feel like they reached for him. I felt felt like there were plenty of better players available for them to to grab at number 11, but I'm not going to make them there. My worst draft because I do like the pick of Anthony black. Granted, I he might have to carve himself out a nice little role there with all those guards. Um, it's just a confusing time in Orlando, but I do like Anthony black. I don't have the same complaints about him, um, but for my worst draft, I am going to pick uh, the Hornets. So to speed this up a little bit, I've all, Actually, to make this really quick, I've already complained about Nick Smith. Um, or rather, like the Hornets picking him at twenty-seven. I just don't know how he fits that rotation. And then Brandon Miller at two. I'll until proven otherwise, I will maintain that they should have gone with Scoot Anderson. Um I'm not gonna be really surprised. If this ends up being one of the drafts that gets looked back on as like, see, this is what happens when you draft for fit instead of best available (laughs) reference Sam Bowie or some, or something, you know, like there are examples of this happening. And then um, a much, much, much better player going right after. And so I'm, I'm sort of trying to get ahead of all of that and just say, not going to be surprised if Scoot Henderson ends up being way better than Brandon Miller and it's not like the Hornets are in a position where they can just be like, well, that's fine, because if we just draft a good scheme fit right now, we'll be competing in a couple years. That's not happening. So if you're at two and you're Charlotte, you grab the, the best damn player you can get. And as far as I'm concerned, that is Scoot Henderson. So you muff that. You get a you make a weird choice at twenty seven. Also not sure how Colby Jones fits in with them either, if we're being honest. But I do agree with something you said a few minutes ago, which was this was harder than most years because in general, I feel like most teams did well with what they had. So I don't think that Charlotte did horribly. I just don't think that they... Like, I think they are the least good.
0: Hmm. Sure. Yeah, I think the Hornets is tough because they got good players. It's just they don't necessarily... They could have done better um, with those picks and drafted, I guess, it's like the opportunity cost or whatever of it. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think Brandon Miller will still be a good player. Nick Smith Jr. has potential. Maybe he doesn't work out there and they they trade him or something. I don't know. But um, my worst draft, I'm giving it to the Clippers. And this is kind of tough because the Clippers only had two picks. They picked at the end of the first round and then the middle of the second round. So it wasn't like they were going to come out with a superstar necessarily, Um, at least on paper. Who knows? Maybe we'll see another Jokic. Probably not. Um, But yeah, I got to give it to the Clippers. So they picked the second best Kobe in the draft. (laughs) Uh, Kobe Brown at... Um, with their last, the last pick in the first round, I thought that was a bit of a reach. I thought Kobe Brown was definitely more of a second round type, like mid second round player. And so for me, you know, if you're the Clippers, you're really trying to maximize all these picks that you have because you're trying to maximize the window that is growing increasingly smaller with Kawhi and Paul George. We've heard some rumors about Paul George. I don't know. Um, that would be interesting to see if they end up trying to break that up or not. Steve Ballmer is the type of guy who I'm like, will he actually try to not win? I don't know. Anyways. So yeah, Kobe Brown, like he's just not really going to give you anything right now. Um, and realistically you need to be trying to find players who are, who can fulfill roles on, in your rotation, uh, if you're the Clippers right now. So I didn't really like that. And then I, I can't believe this second round pick. They draft Jordan Miller out of the University of Miami. Come on, guys! <laughs> you should know by now. You don't you don't trust those guys for shit? Absolutely not. Um, Jordan Miller is fine as a player, or whatever. But like, nah. It's just you, you can't draft a guy from Miami and expect me to be cool with it. So that's that's what I got the clippers as having the worst draft. And yes, I did have to make a little bit of a joke out of it, just to find somebody cuz I thought almost every single team actually did at least a decent job. So,
1: yeah, Kobe Brown is fine. Yeah, like I guess like you said, a bit of a reach, but like not really complaining about him, but yeah, they probably could have done a little better there. Um, and since you mentioned that he's the second best Kobe, we're done with our superlatives. We never actually talked about the Hawks' first round pick of Kobe Bufkin. We didn't.
0: We didn't say our best draft yet.
1: Oh crap! You're right. It's yours, the Hawks. No. <laughs> then I'll say this I'll start this over then.
0: I'm literally. I'm like, least likely to succeed is the Hawks' second round pick, but they had the best draft. <laughs> no. <laughs> um
1: kobe buffkins that much of a bow.
0: He's <laughs> <laughs> a bow kobe b
1: wait both of them are kobe bees that's interesting so Anyways. kobe brown is fine uh maybe a bit of a reach though but yeah interestingly there will be a, a new kobe in la fascinating um like you said, second best Kobe in the draft. We didn't actually talk about uh, the Hawks first round pick of Kobe Bufkin. Spoiler alert. Neither of us are going <laughs> to pick the Hawks as the best draft. So I'm just going to talk about Kobe Bufkin real quick. Um, unlike Jet Howard, this is a guy from Michigan that I actually like. So I'm happy with the Hawks pick of Kobe Bufkin in and of itself. Um I would have preferred our draft night as a whole look a little differently. Um, I mean, I already mentioned, I would have rather gotten like Oscar Sheebway in the second round than Seth Lundy. And I would have loved for us to make a, a splashy trade on draft day. But if you told me, Nope, you're just keeping the 15th pick and picking someone there. Kobe Buffkin is probably like the guy I would have pointed at like, okay, then I hope it's him given who wasn't going to fall to us. Of course, Taylor Hendricks aside. Um, Kobe Bufkin doesn't immediately slide in as a starter or anything, but um I love the thought of Kobe Buffkin coming off the bench um, and adding like playmaking ability beside Trey and or DeJounte. It'll never be the three of them together, but we already stagger Trey and DeJounte Murray a lot. Now there's a chance that both of them can be on the bench for a little bit. Uh you can play Kobe realistically with either of them. He can Pass, drive incredibly well um, for a guard at his size. And most importantly, play that defense. Like, this is something that we need. So I just want to say, like, as far as best fits, we talked about Derek Lively and Victor Wembanyama, But Kobe Bufkin is actually a pretty decent fit in Atlanta, non-starting aside.
0: I think, yeah, he is. He's also he's still very young. Um, He went back for a sophomore season. That was a very good decision because he was way better. Yeah. Um, And yeah, I think he almost reminds me a little bit of bogey in terms of what he'd be able to provide, um, which is kind of tough because we already have bogey, but I think he's obviously a, a much cheaper, younger option for that. And in terms of guards, it also provides a little bit of a safety net. If something happens with DeJounte, we've got a guy in Bufkin who can come in and I mean, he's not, he's not DeJounte Murray, but like who can come in and, and be a productive guy, I think, and even learn behind Murray for a year. Um, and depending on what happens with that, maybe he ends up having a bigger role. So yeah, I'm happy with that. Um, so our last superlative, and then we'll wrap up this segment, is who we thought had the best draft. And I'm gonna go first with this one. And I I can't lie. I feel like most of my superlatives here, my my choices have been pretty like standard. There aren't any huge surprises here. I mean, I guess the Clippers one was a little bit out there. But for the most part, it's been pretty simple of who I chose. And I'm just going to stick with that theme. I'm just not going to be that interesting. I think I was a lot more interesting with the NFL ones. Okay. Um, I've got to go to the Spurs. They got the best, by far, the best player in the draft. And that means that you win. <laughs> um, and sure, they got lucky to win the lottery. But at the end of the day, they had the number one pick and they used it correctly. And so something needs to be said for that. Um, I will also say they had a second round pick too, who is like, he's still there. He still counts. Um, City Sissoko, who was another guy who was on the G League Ignite. And I think he could have potentially been a guy who went in the, the end of the first round, and he ended up going in the middle of the second round to the Spurs. Um definitely think that he has a lot of growth that he is to show, but in terms of a, a developmental prospect, I'm I think this is a great pick by the Spurs, another wing who has a lot of potential. Um, and you know kind of like Koulibaly in a way, shines on defense, very good athlete. Um Six foot five can defend multiple uh, multiple positions. So yeah, I think that's that's a really solid secondary pick too. So I got to give it to the Spurs. Um, I will go ahead and say my honorable mention was the Rockets for getting Amin Thompson, who we haven't mentioned to this at this point. Uh, that's a great pickup for them. Somebody who potentially can take over from Kevin Porter Jr. be their point guard for years to come, um, and then all. Obviously, they also got Cam Whitmore, who we talked about in the biggest followers of Perlative as well. So I think both of those guys have a chance to be really, really good for him. So the Rockets were an honorable mention for me, but I'm going to give it to the Spurs.
1: I'm going to do like you said, and also not be too much of a shocker here. I have the Spurs at one. I had the Rockets at three. And in the middle and the one that I'm going to go with now, is the Trailblazers. <laughs> um, okay, there you go. You go ahead and allow the the Hornets to to draft for fit instead of best available. Meaning at number three, you get a guy that in many other drafts could have gone number one in Scoot Henderson. He can be your point guard for the future, the Dame replacement, or the Dame um, Robin to Dame's Batman, depending on what direction you want to go with it. A lot of analysts have talked about this pick as like a oh this shows that they're not willing to trade and you know give dame something now who says that scoot can't compete right away and help Dame achieve something um and to that end, look at the other two players that they that they got. they got Chris Murray who you and I have discussed on our own as like one of the more NBA ready players in this draft uh, like his brother Keegan can come in. Play defense, shoot the ball. Immediate contributor. Uh, there is a reason that in our mock we had uh, Chris Murray going to Golden State because he can come in, fit in right away, and immediately contribute. Then all the way down at forty-three, which is a steal according to our mock, where we had at twenty-six Ryan Rupaire, um, like talking about an, a wing that can come in immediately, play defense. Like they have three guys here that simultaneously make sense if they're trying to compete now or if they're trying to build something for the future and rebuild. Like I think they did a fantastic job of retooling and reloading here and doing so with a player with as high upside as Scoot Henderson is like the cherry on top.
0: For sure. And I will point out in the NBA draft, you know, there are only two rounds when we do the NFL draft, I think it doesn't matter necessarily if you have a super high pick, you have a chance to get best draft. If you do well over the course of the entire draft, even if you're only picking in like the middle or even the later half of the first round in the NBA draft, it's pretty tough to get best draft. If you don't have a top five pick, unless some, for some crazy reason, somebody slides inexplicably to you, um, type of thing. But I mean, all three of those teams that we pointed out had number one, number three, and number four. And then ironically, Mike's worst (laughs) draft was the team that had number two because they didn't do what they should have at that selection. Number two is accurate. Right. Exactly. So it really does show that you, you know, you got to really take advantage of the fact that you're in this position of being one of the worst teams in the league and having one of the top picks, you need to take advantage of it. So far, you know, most of the teams that that were in that position did do a good job with with those selections. I think so. Um, overall, I think the draft went pretty similarly to how we thought it would go, which is not always the case. There were a few trades, but nothing too crazy. Which I will say that was it was a little disappointing. I wanted to see some like major trade go down. Um, We didn't really see that. We saw a few little swaps here and there, um, but nothing again, like nothing too, too crazy. So now we just got the rest of the off season and free agency to see what will happen. And I'm sure that that will deliver some craziness because it's the NBA off season. It's going to happen eventually one way or another.
1: Yeah. I mean, the cool thing about basketball or at least what keeps it fresh and interesting is they do not care about letting the trades fly. So we'll be monitoring that like a, like Hawks. <laughs> yeah, y'all heard what I said. So I'm sure you all be monitoring that with us, but let us know your thoughts about our draft superlatives. If you have agreements or if you're wrong and have disagreements you know, let us know. We'd be happy to hear that on social media—Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram—at Mike and Dave Pod. But that's going to wrap up these superlatives for this year. When we come back, we're going to get into our hot seat and fun fact to close out the show. All right. So, as per tradition on the Mike and Dave podcast, it's time to get into our hot seat. And this one happened a few weeks ago, but we haven't really had a chance to talk about it. Um. Connor mcgregor <laughs> punching a mascot in the face robin robin lopez eat your heart out <laughs> like <laughs> yeah so this was during game four of the nba finals uh in miami as part of this like skit where mcgregor like it was planned and all mcgregor was gonna hit the mascot in the face and everything the problem is he did it too damn hard. Like he punched the mascot so hard in the face (coughs) that the, the guy inside the costume had to be taken to the emergency room where he was given like severe pain medication before being sent home. I mean, you know, as far as I've, as far as I've seen nothing like broken, nothing like to be alarmed about, but like, dude, chill. I mean,
0: when I saw this headline and read the story, I sent it to Mike, and I was like, "This is why the hot seat is a segment. <laughs> it's for it's for incidents like this. Like, dude, come on. He was he was supposed to be promoting this pain relief spray. Um, so after he punches this mascot in the face and the mascot goes down to the ground, he then sprays him with his pain relief spray." Um, I don't know if it's supposed to go like directly on the skin or what, but it obviously didn't work because this guy had to be sent to the, the hospital. Um, I mean, what can you say other than the fact that like Conor McGregor is just not the best guy. Um, and you know, I, I, I think that the mascot is fine now. Um, and at least it was like right before the off season. So now he has, he has a chance to heal up for next season, Um, I wonder if this is going to affect his trade value at all, but, um, anyways, yeah. So Conor McGregor, definitely on the hot seat for this one. There's no other way about it. Even though it was a a few weeks ago, he had to be the choice.
1: Yeah. And it is nice to like have something that's, um, on the one hand, very straightforward, like no debate about what the hot seat's going to be. It's this, like you said, this is why the hot seat exists. But also there weren't any like major consequences to it. You know, like this isn't one of those hot seats where like, oh yeah, this guy got arrested for like this. And we're like, oh my gosh, you know, or someone got like, Seriously hurt, you know, like the dude seems to be fine he he did go to the hospital, but you know, like I said, nothing's broken or anything, so like you know all is well, and we have' an, a weird like funny story about it, so that's our hot seat, talking about Connor McGregor hitting a mascot in the face, and now Dave is here to hit you with some knowledge with <laughs> this week's fun fact. Or- Oh my gosh. With this episode's fun fact. So I was hoping
0: that you were going to use a transition like that because one might surmise that that heat mascot may have gotten a black eye from said punch. And my fun fact actually has to do with that. So, you know, we're, we're just really seamlessly going through these segments here on this episode. Um, So, you know, traditionally speaking, back in the day, it was common to put raw steaks on your black eye as a way of, like, healing it or whatever, right? Well, contrary to popular belief, or even just maybe a few people who believe it, there's nothing actually special about raw steaks that help with the swelling. It is literally just because they would get them out of... The, the freezer or like the ice box or, you know, whatever they used to use back then to keep things cold. And they would put it on the black eye because that's what they had that was cold. So no, there's actually nothing about raw steak whatsoever that has any special healing properties. It was literally just because that was the the best thing that they had that was cold to, re- to reduce the swelling. So in case you ever thought, Oh crap, I've got a black eye. Honey, could you drop by the local butcher and and buy a steak real quick? Um, I've I need to reduce the swelling. Just get a bag of ice or a bag of frozen vegetables. Um, it's not is not have anything to do with the steak at all. So, that is my fun fact for the episode. Uh just save your money and just get some ice.
1: It's so funny that you say that. I had a conversation with someone a couple months ago and I don't even remember who it was now. But we were talking about putting something cold on a black eye and it, oh, not a black eye, sorry, about like just to reduce swelling or whatever. And I had mentioned, like, get a bag of peas or whatever. And this person was like, What is it about peas? Because I always hear that, and I'm like, I was like, They're cold, you know, like. (laughs) <laughs> it's nothing like nothing about the peas at all it's just the fact that they were in the freezer so ah you see their biochemical composition is 17.2 percent like no <laughs> but yeah we're out here um yeah maybe the uh the heat mascot should be listening to this you know useful information get something cold it doesn't have to be a steak there you go we're, we're helping the public out here in addition like you know, in ways additional to just presenting the Mike and Dave podcast, right? On that note, leave us that five-star review and share us on Spotify and, you know, whatever. Do do the positive things so that we can share this podcast with other people.
0: Yes, that would be lovely. Um, also, it's funny, last episode, we managed to get one in under an hour for you guys. But you once you saw the... Um, the title of this one and you knew the NBA draft was last week. You already know this one was about to be a long one. So hope you enjoyed it. Uh Thank you for sticking around. If you're listening to this, uh, we appreciate you listening, of course. And we're looking forward to, again, the rest of the off season for the NBA. And we're, we're going to, you know, be throwing around a few different ideas for, um, for different episodes in the future. The summer is always kind of that in between time. So, Who knows, maybe you'll be hearing a completely new segment for the first time uh, in the coming weeks slash months as we kind of fill the, or like we go through the dog days of summer uh, type of thing. But regardless, we'll still be out here trying to make some interesting uh, content for you guys to listen to, and we appreciate you sticking around.
1: It's at this point that we're getting back onto our normal pace, so the next episode won't be next Friday, but the Friday after we're getting back to every other week is, you know, or every other Friday is Mike and Dave Friday, you know, the rules, but thank you for listening and be sure to listen next time. We'll be continuing to put out that new content for you. So as always, this has been Mike. This has been Dave, and you've been listening to the Mike and Dave podcast.